It's right here, right? It's looking at me. He's an ugly little spud, isn't he? I think he can hear you, right? Don't move. It won't hurt you. Batman, what happened? Are you okay? He slimed me. That was Bill Murray getting up close and personal with a gruesome green ghost in 1984's Ghostbusters. This week, we review a Ghostbuster slash Exorcist a bit closer to home, Irish horror comedy Extraordinary that's just been released on Netflix. It's the power. Holy water. It's the power of Christ that compels you. The power of Christ compels me. The power of Christ compels you. So this is an exciting episode because it's our first episode from Isolation. Yeah, I think for the next few weeks we're going to be talking about films that have been released on demand. So stuff from Netflix, Amazon, Disney+. Plus. We definitely are because all the cinemas are closed. So if we you didn't know. <laughs> the, so basically our regular idea of what we would usually review, uh, some of the things we're probably planning on reviewing we can no longer review um but yeah just like you we're going to be inside and probably watching a lot more netflix amazon prime not everyone always makes it out to the cinema even in normal times so there might actually even be a chance that you're more likely to watch the films that we review on this podcast now uh, more than usual yeah and i think maybe a netflix release that you would normally sort of shrug your shoulders and go, oh, watch in a few weeks. Well, now it's going to be the most exciting part of your day. <laughs> yeah, so that's, uh, so that's Cellcast. Indoors, just like you, for the foreseeable future. So, as we've been in isolation for about two weeks, um, we're just going to chat about some of the films that we've been watching over that period. Um, films that we've watched the first time, you know, old favourites that we've revisited. And, you know, obviously in this time, that whether, you know, you're, there's not a lot to do. And your feelings probably slightly low. One of the best things you can watch is a is a film that um, you really love and adore. And um, when you rewatch it again, there are things that you notice for the first time, or things that um, you're sort of well aware of, but it still has that emotional impact. Um, so, what have you been watching? Um, well, I actually haven't been revisiting very much. Um, that might that might that might change as the isolation goes on, and I need more soothing. One of the new things I watched was uh, Zootropolis, mm-hmm. which um, sounds kind of like a sick day film because it's like a Pixar animated film. But and that was on Disney Plus. That was on Disney Plus, uh, which uh, our sister, who also lives with us, has now bought. So that wasn't a plug for Disney Plus, but just saying that we that we we now do own Disney Plus. Um, so Zootropolis, um, which I was really really surprised at it being really good particularly because back when it was released in like 2016 i wrote a really snarky blog post about how it was one of the films that i was least looking forward to coming out because i just thought oh it's boring anthropomorphized like animals living in an animal city what a bunch of bullshit but actually it turned out to be a really good film about uh, tolerance in a multicultural society, and I think it's a really, really positive film, a really like positive, optimistic film about the world we live in and all different cultures living in a metropolitan 
um, global society. And I thought, this is this is bloody great. This is exactly the kind of thing. Um, I mean, you, you might think that just because it's got some kind of message, it's a bit hokey, or it's, it, it feels like crowbarred into a kid's film to try and give some kind of cheesy morality, but it doesn't feel that way at all. It just feels like a really nice kind of film, the kind of film that they really should be making. And I, I came out of it feeling really positive. So I, I re-examined my own prejudices about some Disney Pixar films. Yeah, I tend to avoid Disney Pixar, really. I just don't think I find enough artistic merit into the films. But actually, like, um, I think there was a really positive message. Um, it's about a bunny who sort of goes to Moose's Metropolis to become the first bunny cop there. And um, there she starts to investigate certain predators that have gone missing and while at first she's sort of like demeaned she sort of goes on her own journey to find to find herself in the city um but then it also does become about more than that it's not just about like the prejudice that the bunny faces as i know how ridiculous this sounds but just go with the metaphor the uh, it's not just about the prejudice that the bunny faces but the prejudice about lots of different characters face and the fact that we're all ignorant and we all have prejudice in us and, you know, we have to get better as people. And I just thought, what a, what a bloody great message. Yeah, and yeah, and I think it's, it's universal as well. Um, again, it, I think, obviously, the thing that Disney Pixar, one of the best things it does is it entertains all ages. And um, I definitely think you could show this film to anyone and they'd get something out of it. The song in it is bloody terrible, though, by Shakira. <laughs> that is the one thing that I... Was it? Because, yeah, it wasn't that bad. I... I, I I don't know. I, I basically felt like it was written in about five minutes. Yeah. It's, um, not let it go by any standards. Ah, oh, a big Frozen fan. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so Sam, what have you been watching? So I rewatched War Machine from 2014 um, with Brad Pitt in it. He basically he it's it, to be very succinct with the plot. He is in charge of the operational forces in Afghanistan um, and he goes there to try and make peace in Afghanistan and he's naive as he sounds really um, and it's actually the sort of it goes between like a satire and a black comedy um, I think it's really really funny I think it's actually really underrated as a comedy there's quite a lot of physical gags in it as well as quite witty and yeah as I said satirical ones um, it's it's one of my favourite Brad Pitt performances, but it feels like not a lot of people have seen it. I absolutely love the director, David Michaud. He did Animal Kingdom, Rover, and he also did... His most recent film was The King, which is also on Netflix, which is with Timothy Chalamet um, and Robert Pattinson. Um, it's an amazing historical epic. I think War Machine, it's, it's a brave film. It's one that I think could be quite divisive. It's by no means, people aren't really talking about it sort of five years on from its release. But um, I, I thought, it, I think it's absolutely amazing. I think it gets stronger every time I see it. I need to rewatch it because I wasn't, I, when I saw it, I wasn't that that bothered by it. It was, it was, I think it's good. It is a great performance by Brad Pitt. It's an interesting look at the Afghanistan like conflict and kind of wars in the Middle East and a lot of the... Through mis- the gaze of a black comedy, really. Yeah, through the gaze of a black comedy. And that I think that is, it is, you know, um, war and um, American imperialism is always ripe for, for a bit of black comedy, I think. Um, I, but I just wasn't really that moved by, like, War Machine. So, but, but kind of hearing it makes me think maybe I should go back and see it again. Um, when you say not moved by it, though, what what do you mean? I mean, I guess it's I like... I just, it didn't really... I don't think it really m- think like it had enough momentum in it. 
I, I felt like I was watching lots of little bits and it didn't really flow in a in a in a good direction for me. Mm. I know that's a lot of like general like emotional feelings moving forward but like that's just generally the experience i had coming out of it yeah i guess it's quite a cynical film i mean it's not um but then i am quite cynical so i so normally that would kind of appeal to me and i do think it does make a point about the afghanistan conflict that i would agree with um you know that it is really misjudged and everyone made the worst decisions and there's just no but basically there's no fixing a fuck up like Mm. america in the middle east yeah, and I think that's essentially what I mean. That's in its essence what it messages its message is by the end. Um, so yeah, I, I and it, even though it is perhaps quite nihilistic in that sense, um, I still think there's plenty to take from it. It's a really unique take on a war film. I tell you something that I did watch that I really fucking hated, which is I watched something from 1990 called Navy Seals with Michael Bean or Bean Michael Bean from. Terminator and Charlie Sheen. I love really cheesy action movies. I was raised on really cheesy action movies. This has been one that I've never ticked off. So one time when I actually was a bit fluey last week, I put it on because uh, I thought it would be a bit of fun. And there's a reason nobody talks about Navy SEALs. If you can imagine like Top Gun, all the recruiting stuff of Top Gun, but for the Navy SEALs, and then everything else is really terrible and really pasty in it like it's amazing watching some of these old action movies like they're supposed to be these special forces people but no one holds a gun correctly like nobody can act everybody like holds it like a little kid holding a gun when they're going to laser tag um it completely takes you out of it it's really really weird oh and also loads of racism from charlie sheen um amazing like racism but it was kind of racism like he'd say a racist thing and everyone would be like oh you can't say you can't use the word raghead because we've actually got a middle eastern person in the room he's like oh sorry guess that's just me and that was and he was like racist but that became that was supposed to be like a slightly charming thing or it played into like he was just he's just a bit of a maverick so when he like um, refers to, uh, like, uses a Hispanic slur. Oh, that's just because he's a bit of a maverick and he just doesn't really follow the rules. Like, I can't believe this uh, actually ever got made. It's it's really terrible. I, I just think that maybe at this point, I wonder if I've seen all the action movies that are actually worth seeing. And if you if I do find another, uh, another old one from the 90s or the 80s that I think, oh, I really want to tick this off, maybe I should just leave it. Maybe that was his character profile. Like, um, when they got sent the script, it was... The character's name and a charming racist. <laughs> Is that what drew him to the role? It wouldn't be the. In, hope not. It wouldn't be the most insane thing Charlie Sheen's ever done. Yeah. Any other classic nineties actors in there? Is Emilio Estevez in there or no? Um, but that guy that was in Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton is in it actually. Is he actually in it? <laughs> yes, he is. Of course, he's in it. <laughs> Bill Paxton is in it. How did you know? I don't. I just thought of nineties actors. I thought of because um, you mentioned Michael Behar, and I thought of Aliens. Yeah, well, yeah. Bill Paxton is in it. He plays a sniper. Okay, so this week we are reviewing the Irish comedy uh, Extraordinary, and Sam's going to tell us the plot. Rose Dooley has paranormal powers, which she learned from her father. However, when he dies, she retires from exorcisms and becomes a driving instructor. In the same Irish town lives up washed-up American singer Christian Winter, who is trying to regain his popularity by sacrificing a virgin to a demon from hell. 
He picks the daughter of Martin Martin, a recent widow, who then asks Rose to return to her ghost-passing ways to stop winter. Or as a haiku, gentle spook magnet, emerald exorcism, hellish bad rock star. And here's a clip. To break the spell, we need ectoplasm. You just have to let the ghost inhabit your body. Like in Ghostbusters. Oh, I haven't read that. The plot thickens. Why does it have to be so unnecessarily gross? That magic! So, this is like The Exorcist Craggy Island. Yeah, I think it's um, basically like a, a comedy version of it. I think there's lots of um, exorcist hints and uh, references throughout. It's made by horror lovers um, who decide to sort of like slightly poke fun at the genre, really. I Yeah, I like that. I mean, although it references it now and again, it's got its own tone. The real naffness and tameness of like a rural Irish village, but just where loads of spooky stuff sort of goes on. Something like, um, say, Sanford from Hot Fuzz, but it's haunted. Or, you know, like I said before, close to maybe Craggy Island, but but haunted. Like something that's a bit, uh, that, that's very small and colloquial, but just happens to be full of, like, quite, like, crap ghosts. Yeah, and I think that's sort of shown quite well at the beginning, because there are videos of Vincent Dooley, who's uh, Rose's dad, and he's kind of like the head ghostbuster in a way. Yeah. Um, I love those bits because it kind of reminded me... It, uh, I don't want to keep dropping in references to other things, but it was kind of Merengue-esque, kind of how crap and pompous the VHS tapes were compared to the the kind of really uh, lame stuff that they were dealing with. But it was a great way to start it off. I think that it... it, it I think that's something that was definitely to its strength. It it started off on a lot of, like, really funny ideas. The reason I don't want to reference other things is that I felt that um, rather than it just being, for most of it, and definitely it at its, at its strongest, it's not just, oh, here's, like, a silly version of possession movies or ghost-busting movies. That you've seen before, that you've seen before, we're just going to do that, but make it really like stupid and silly. It definitely had its own personality yeah. that was really quite quintessentially kind of Irish, and I really, really liked that. I thought that was really funny and really charming. Yeah, I think the Irish sensibility is is amazing. Sort of that mix between like the witty and the eccentric. Yeah, I think it's sort of it's just one of those films that lies sort of somewhere in between. But I, I completely agree with you. I think if they'd done like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like all, oh, we're sort of laughing at the horror genre, isn't it silly and absurd? But they don't. I think they sort of embrace it, but are able to make jokes out of it in, in equal measure. I did really love the more eccentric bits. The, the idea that ghosts might haunt really silly things like cheese was a really easy thing to exercise. Bins. <laughs> Bins. Like, I love... I think, to, to me, actually, the thing that, that it was... Instead of, like, a haunted hotel in New York City, like Ghostbusters does, this is, like, there's, like, the chips are floating in the local kebab shop. Like, there was just something really... They really pulled that off and made that, like, really funny. I, I, I really like that. I don't know why. Maybe it's because it felt like it was its own... It had its own personality. And I think that's maybe the key to a concept like like this, is that it understands something about the 
the place that it's from and the, the the kind of people that are in it and playing to their strengths is all about like well th- these people have their you know this place has its own personality so if we're going to make a comedy it's got to have its own personality in it even though it's about something as ridiculous as 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 an exorcism and demonic possession. Yeah, and I think that's illustrated well by the characters in a way, because if you compare it to something like the original Ghostbusters, where all the characters are sort of outlandish and mavericks in their their own sort of right, with yeah, like I guess their comedy style is like quite over the top and in your face. But the protagonist of this film, like Rose, she's just very like sweet, good natured, um, sort of shy, a little bit sensitive as well. That's what makes her really endearing in a way. She is a really know, unlikely Ghostbuster. She's completely stole the show for me. Actually, I came. I actually really watched this partly because of Will Forte, who uh, who I really love and and I was kind of really excited to see. But actually, Maeve Higgins, who played Rose, is the person that really stole this for me. She was so natural and charming and sweet. And and just immediately likable. I haven't seen Maeve Higgins in very much, but I think this if this is an indicator of the kind of thing she could do, I think she she could end up being a household name. I think she's there was something great about her. I think a lot of people will just will watch this and just be bowled over by her. I think it was the way that she 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 had this way of like when she went back home and she immediately. Um, just took off her trousers and started eating a yogurt while bouncing on a gym ball. It's one of those kind of really like it's these these. It was one of these things that was like immediately, like you say, endeared you, yourself to her. You immediately kind of got what this character was that she was um, sweet natured, maybe a bit lonely, um, but kind of a good person, and you. You 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 were you were rooting for her right away. I re- I thought she was great in this. Yeah, and I think she's looking for redemption in a way because um, her father dies in, and she blames herself for it. They're they're trying to do an incantation, and then it goes horrendously wrong, leading to him being <laughs> like um, hit by a um, a truck. And it's part of the reason that she's stopped performing. You know her spells and her exorcisms. Um, she's trying to sort of leave leave her past behind, get away from her family ties um but yeah and over the course of the film she sort of learns to uh rediscover her talent yeah and i enjoyed all those i enjoyed all the sequences of the of the crap exorcisms i thought they were really funny Mm. um like i said before i came to this for will forte he also was one of the people that made me laugh the most um i think especially early on when you see him as this really naff prog rock star from the United States, who was just like this one-hit wonder, seeing like the old footage of him with all the terrible '80s uh, special effects and the yeah the really uh, like some really dodgy keyboard playing. Will Forte has a has a talent for being uh, speaking really grandly, but somehow being really pathetic at the same time. Like he does this a lot in um, uh, Last Man on Earth, which is a really great TV show. He he's perfect at being pompous, and I think the idea of him playing uh, an evil Satanist who's actually just a really like a fading rock star is a really good role for him. Um, and I think he was he was he was a delight as ever. He was very reliable to watch. 
Yeah, and I think maybe he's um, attracted to sort of original and good comedy writing because obviously this feels like a micro-budget film. Yeah. But he's gone to Ireland to make it. I actually don't know what sort of led him to be in this film, whether he's seen, whether he knows the director, he knows the filmmakers, or maybe he's even got links to Ireland, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, it's like a really, I think it's a sort of your classic, like, big star coming to do a, a cameo appearance in a in a small um, UK yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, what how, how he got involved in this project. Yeah, but he really camps it up. And I think while, as, as we talked about, like um, characters like Rose Dooley and Martin Martin are quite understated, he's able to sort of give this really like over-the-top performance and try to steal every scene, really. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I think it just comes across as like just a little bit too weird and mm. perhaps a bit out of kilter with what the film's trying to do. Again, like... Is going. I think it's trying to be a bit more subtle than his performance really um, showcases. But I still think there's like there's enough funny moments in there. I loved all the references to other uh, films. Um, I I feel like stuff when they just dropped in like um, who are you going to call and stuff like that into the script. Or but it was also the fact that um, Rose herself didn't get any of the references as well. Mm. I thought that was such a brilliant way of of nailing how small and rural this Irish town was that the town's leading Ghostbuster doesn't know what a Ghostbuster is. I thought that was really funny. Um, it, it doesn't work all the way through. I think that as it goes on, though there, there are definitely some some funny... I think there were some like funny sequences, even like in, in, in the finale. It's, it's not as consistently funny all the way through as it is in the beginning. There's something about right, right at the beginning when they hit you with this... Um, when they hit you with this really... Uh, with the really silly 80s VHS and then a lot like some slapstick moments and then Rose herself. Something about like the film just starts so strong and you're just really pulled in and it's really, really funny. But then by the time it's kind of getting towards the end, it's sort of... I really felt like it lost touch with those like sweeter elements at the yeah. beginning. It, it becomes a little bit more like kind of smutty and actually does become a bit like... Gory and smutty. Gory that's and it, smutty. That's what it turns into. And it, it's kind of a shame because you... It ascends from a 12A into a 15 yeah, quite but, quickly quite, and unnecessarily. Yeah, but like it, it actually starts to become by the end a little bit like what we didn't, what we talked about at the beginning that we didn't like about it. Like it starts to become like, oh, just a possession movie. But what if we made it really silly? Or what if we just stuck in? Mm. What if it was like uh, a demonic horror, but a bunch of sex jokes got stuck in there instead? Like and. It, it's fine. I mean, it, I think it kept me laughing, like, t- like t- even towards the end. But it, but it was sort of like I say. I think it lost touch with uh, everything that made it like really good. Um, yeah, without wanting to spoil it, there's like I think at one point towards as it's getting into that sort of final third of the film, there's an anal sex joke which kind of came from out of nowhere. And at that point, I just thought, oh, this isn't. It's not quite in the same comedy tone as it was going for. No. And from that point on, it sort of, yeah, downgrades a little bit. But I, I don't know. I think even though it's not strong all the way through, I think it's, I think it's a bit of a gem. I, I really enjoyed it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think back quite fondly to it. I just think it feels like too much of a directional debut in a way. And I mean, well, and that's because it is. Yeah. But it's just about sort of, with these films, it feels like they just about get over the 90 minute mark. But there were scenes that felt a bit redundant. 
Um, but that can sort of happen to a lot of low-budget films, really. And I don't think it's necessarily a criticism, but I did get the sense towards the end that, like, you know, if they really had enough of a strong idea to to make this a feature film, I think they did. Their the, their their tone, and I think they had enough jokes there that it was worth making a feature-length film out of. But what do you think it would have been better as a TV series or something? Or possibly, I mean, I think I could have, I could see a TV series made out of Rose Dooley and like the inhabitants of the town. Yeah, um, I think there was there was basically like enough um, funny and comedic moments for them to turn it into a six part, half an hour BBC comedy in a way. I just, I, I, I wonder. Yeah, I wonder if it would work. I wonder if maybe there's a future in that. Maybe they'll have a TV spin-off or something. Mm. I don't know. I think it was... I think it had enough in it to be pretty fun. I don't think it's going to rock anyone's world. If you like comedy from this side of the pond, and if you and if you, if you you like the kind of vibes that we're, we're throwing out there and some of the names that we've been using to kind of as a, as a kind of tonal touchstone, a palette, if you will... Uh, then I think you'll get a kick out of it, um, and it's 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 on Netflix, and it's um, I I think it's worth a look in. Yeah, overall for me, I felt it was slightly a bit too hit and miss, um, and I think especially by the end, I thought I'd never want to revisit this like final fifteen minutes. No, it just felt it just felt a little bit desperate in the end. Um, so I don't think I'll watch it again, and I think I would just put it down as to like a. A good attempt, some really good characters, but not not quite good enough for me. I guess it's just a film that's impossible to hate in a way because it's got so many good intentions. I agree. I I completely agree. Oh Jesus, Mary and Joseph, Martin, she's floating. She's floating, Martin. No. What is evil? <laughs> I'm doing an incantation. Now! And if you like this, I'm going to recommend 2007's Hot Fuzz. It's 13 years old, but still as brilliant as ever. Often regarded as the best of Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy, Hot Fuzz is the story of top London copper Nicholas Angel, played by Simon Pegg, as he is reassigned to sleepy Gloucestershire village Sanford. Partnered up with big-hearted, action-movie-obsessed policeman officer Danny Butterman, played by Nick Frost, it looks like Angel's crime-fighting days are slowing down, but all is not as it seems. Have you ever seen Point Break? No. Amazing bit in Point Break where they jump over fences. Is there no? 29. That is Swayze's just robbed this bank. Keanu Reeves is chasing him through people's gardens. And he goes to shoot Swayze, but he can't because he loves him so much and he's firing his gun up in the air. He's like, oh! Have you ever fired your gun up in the air and gone, ah? No, I have not ever fired my gun up in the air and gone, ah. 30. Sorry, I'm, I just I just feel like I'm missing out sometimes. I want to do what you do. You do do what I do. What on earth do you think you're missing out on? Gunfights, car chases, proper action and shit. Police work is not about proper action. Or shit. At once both an ode to action movies and the legions of film fans like us that grew up in small villages watching them, Hot Fuzz is incredible. The amazing pace and patter of the script that weaves one of the most unique and brilliant British comedies of all time. But in the context of Extraordinary? Well, if you like the genre splicing of comedy with other genres, this is another great example of that. More bullets and explosions rather than seances and ectoplasm, but it's still there. But more importantly, if you love the colloquial small-town comedy of Extraordinary, then Sanford has to be your next stop. 
No one does it better than the endlessly quotable weird inhabitants of Sanford that are all so nice and friendly, yet somehow a few cookies short of a full pack. And as far as slimy supervillains go, Will Forte is brilliant, but Timothy Dalton's Simon Skinner, the owner of the local supermarché, gets better with every watch. I'd love to see a face-off between those two. And if you didn't like it, you should watch 1997's Men in Black. Although I really can't recommend any of the sequels, the original Men in Black still stands the test of time. James Edwards, Will Smith, is your regular New York City cop until he bumps into something he shouldn't have and is recruited by Agent K, Tommy Lee Jones, into the Men in Black, the police force slash immigration control for all alien life that comes onto planet Earth. James is now Agent J, and their new threat is a skin-stealing extraterrestrial called a bug who's trying to get his hands on powerful technology. You want to stay away from that guy? He's, uh... He's grouchy. Three-hour delay in customs after a trip of 17 trillion miles is going to make anybody cranky. You know what I mean? Hey, oh, what, what branch of the government do we report to? Well, none. They ask too many questions. So who pays for all this? We hold the patents on a few gadgets that we confiscated from out-of-state visitors. Um, Velcro, microwave ovens, liquid suction. This is a fascinating little gadget. It's going to replace CDs soon, so I'll have to buy the White Album again. If extraordinary small-town hijinks sent you to sleep, or the spooky goings-on really weren't your cup of tea, then switch to coffee and head to the Big Apple, New York City and beyond. The stakes are bigger but no less funny in Men in Black, and if the horror thing wasn't doing it for you, then maybe the sci-fi edge will. It brilliantly parodies conspiracy theories and alien invaders, recasting sinister government agencies as bureaucratic border guards as well as occasional world-saving heroes. It's carried by a witty, fast-paced script, another reason to head here if Extraordinary was a bit too slow for you, and the charismatic double act of Kay's no-nonsense, last of the old school, and Jay's energetic, enthusiastic rookie. The joke in Extraordinary was exorcism but in a small, quaint place. Men in Black is alien invaders, but with the red tape of a government department and the monotony and other drawbacks of occasionally saving the world. If you haven't seen it in a long time, it still shines bright as that shooting star that I saw one time, and I actually don't remember anything about now I think about it. Thank you so much for listening to Cellcast. You can find and subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud as Cellcast and come follow us on Twitter at Cell Magazine and like us on facebook.com forward slash Cell Magazine.